Hey friends, on this episode of the Incredible Hulk podcast, we are joined by my dear friend, Scott Welch. He is the founder of Global Bridge Builders, uh, spends all of his time talking about diversity in the workplace, race, and race relations. So I thought, what better time to bring him on and see if we can unpack some of the stuff that's going on. So this is a very candid and um, fun conversation. I think I can say fun, yes. That Scott and I are calling Peace and joy. The idea being that peace is that center of the hurricane, right? Everything is still falling apart, but you're able to find peace and joy being the emotion that picks up all of the other emotions, right? Joy and happiness are two very different things. So it's about finding joy going through something like this in order to get to a better place. With that, I will let you enjoy this episode of the Incredible Hulk podcast. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for me to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Don't on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Scott, how are you, my friend? Eric, my brother, how you doing, man? It's great to see you. It is great to... I mean, I wish we were doing this in person, but it, it is great to be seen. Um, yeah. I, I obviously wanted to talk to you because of all that's going on, right? I, I don't want to bury the lead here as to why are we doing this, but we're doing this podcast, guys, because shit's on fire. That's why we're doing mm-hmm. this. And, you know, and I well, want... Seen. You know, and anyone who has listened to this podcast knows that, that I want to go be inquisitive about the world around us and I want to go to people who are much smarter than me and so for those of you who don't know Scott Scott and I uh, struck up a very quick friendship once we figured out that I had hosted TEDx and he had hosted TEDx so therefore we should be friends and as soon as we met like we've been off to the races he has since been on this podcast I think this is your fourth time uh, but it's been a minute I think it's been almost two years since you've been on the podcast yeah um and and we touched base about a week ago because obviously everything was getting crazy and you said hey I, I i've been wanting to talk to you and i i said well that's weird because i've been wanting to talk to you so we should we should maybe talk and so scott i want to i want to start here um and i want to know how you're doing and, and i and i preface this by saying you know when when you enter into a phase like this mm-hmm. where the way I'm viewing it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the way I view it is like this wound has been re-exposed. And, and I, I think you can explain time in American history in a couple ways, and, and specifically around race and slavery, it might be explained like this. There was slavery, then there was Jim Crow, then there was new Jim Crow. And then there was a moment around 2008 that people, some experts would call post-racism when Barack Obama comes into office, and now we're here. Uh, and I don't know if any if you ascribe to any of that history. I'd love to dive into that. But all of that to say that there's this this insane mixed bag of insanity right now. And I want to know to start out. How are you? Well, first of all, brother, it's just I, I appreciate you and I appreciate the uh, just the way that you uh, just kind of dig in and ask and and just show your concern. I appreciate that. And, and the way that you uh, summarized history just a minute was go was genius. So it was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, it was just one of those things, right? Where we want to take kind of this look at it. Um, and to the, to the question of how am I doing? You know, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I think I'm, of course, these types of times kind of can cause you to be more introspective, right? 
I think we are on, I think we will look back at this time in history, like some folks look back at the 60s when I was studying in undergrad, we would study the 60s. Sure. I think we're at a moment in time that is really pretty remarkable. Um, and I was just talking to my cousin last night in, in, in Dallas, and we said, you know, this is really interesting. You've got, you've got a pandemic, you've got um, a, an up, it really just a, a multi-ethnic kind of push back against things that people say, no, enough is enough. Then you've got our president who really, and I've never speak against our president in that way. It's just like, I just don't, he's not leading us right now. Right. Right. Yes. Um, wherever people are, I'm like, Hey, that's not even my point. My point is I just don't feel like we're being led. Then the second part. And then the fourth part of that is man, is that the economic, the economy is a, it's all attached to. So we've got this four, we've got this four pronged thing, dude, that is going on that, I tell you what, this is a great, I told my cousin, I said, this is one of the best times ever to be alive, though, because I feel like I'm walking inside of a, a, a lab or a, or an experiment right now. It's just, it's a strange time here. Oh, it's, it's a very strange time. And what I keep going back to is there's, there's a number of organizations across the globe that study um, catastrophes that could be coming. Yeah. And if you look at the report that came out in December of 2019, uh, there was 10 things on that list. And we're doing three of them right now. So one of them was a global pandemic. One of them was white nationalism. And one of them was an economic collapse that was not necessarily connected to a global pandemic. But in this case, this is what you got, right? And, and, you know, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you for a couple of reasons. Our our friendship notwithstanding, right? One of them is the way in which you you address these things. And we talked about this a week ago when we were getting ready for this is... This idea of peace, and you and I talk a lot in our real life when we're not doing podcasts, we talk a lot about this idea of peace and joy, and the idea that joy is actually all of the emotions described in one word, and peace is essentially the center of a hurricane. It's not when everything is going amazing, it's when you're able to kind of center yourself when you are surrounded by turbulent winds and stuff flying around your head and all that stuff. And It's true. And I... I'm wondering with the work that you do, and I want you to talk a little bit about it so people kind of can reset as to what you do for a living. You spend all of your time talking about race and race relations. And so how is this, has this changed at all for you? Are you having different conversations? Because one of the, for me, one of the the, the things that you and I connect on is that this feels like a moment. It feels different than... Barack Obama becoming president, which yes. was which was absolutely a moment, and then yeah. we moved on, right? right. Um, and, but this feels different. This feels different than anything that I have been alive to witness. And yes. I wonder, in the work that you're doing in race and race relations, is if th- has this changed the training? Are they asking different questions? Like, what is what goes on in your professional life? So let me see, just to kind of. In terms of what I do, right? So I, I started a firm in 2005. I've been involved in this uh, diversity management for since 1999, right? And um, really dove in in 2000. And um, it's it's a firm I started in 2005 that actually looks at organizational transformation. Our focus is our, mon- our mantra is innovation through inclusion. So we look at systems, man. All over in all these organizations, Eric. You know, metric setting and supply chain and everything right now of course a part of that has to deal with ethnic ethnicity and race 
right? We go in there and we'll say, okay, the difference is in your organization. If we can help you look at that differently, that these aren't disadvantages. These are, and these are not issues, these are opportunities. So our encouragement is actually dive deeper into your workforce because in there and in their differences are actually innovative ideas, right? So that's, that's the work that I do. I'm always trying to push the fact that difference is actually good. And so when you talk about folks that are kind of approaching me and asking me questions, um, now, of course, everything centers around ethnicity and race right now, sure. right? So, yes. you know, the conversations and all the friends that I'm talking to or just being on the different panels and things like that, it is going down that path. But, you know, I, I tell people that um, the thing I love about this that's different from 2008 is to me, if you look at our, our presidential uh, election, that was from the top down, essentially. This is from the bottom up, right? And so, you know, when, when things happen, especially with George Floyd, and then it was, you know, Amar, uh, Aubrey, I mean, it was so many different things, right? It was people actually just in the streets, man, that just said, you know, in neighborhoods, you know, this is not good. And so people took the streets together. What I also love about it is it's multi-ethnic. You know, you can't see where this community ends or begins. This is just people saying, you know, this is not this is not the the, the nation that we are. We're we're better than this. And then I think, I mean, even to the fact that you've got moms and dads with their little three-year-old toddlers with signs walking down the middle of the street in Grand Rapids, I was like, oh my goodness, what where am I? You know? Right. Right. So I just think that you know, this is crazy. I just think I think this is a what I call this is a T ball moment. And what I mean by that in, in comparison to, to fast pitch baseball, yes, this is something if you swing at anything, Eric, you might, in, I mean, you, you can actually impact so many things positively, just swings, like swing at something, swing at a new relationship, swing at going to a different business, swing at going to a different neighborhood. You can make a positive impact by just swinging right now. And I think that's where we are. This is, I think this is a, this is a move of the people, man. It's not about politics. This is just, this is a move of the people and I love it. Well, and I, I was watching um, the Emmanuel Acho series, uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. He did one with Matthew McConaughey and huh? I think McConaughey said it in the video, but the, they both kind of echoed each other. And I thought this was a great way to explain it because it not only explains what's going on right now, but it does explain how you evoke change at any point in history and it's this idea that the individual in the house affects the house the house affects the neighborhood the neighborhood affects the community the community affects the city the city affects the state state the nation the nation the globe right there you go yes and, that's it no and, and and again that's it what i what i love what i it's funny because i you know in, in times like this just for me to say i love something in that in that sense but you know you have to look at things like we talked about peace like being in the it's in the eye of the hurricane right and we can't even make any any progress eric if we don't actually dig into the pain people yeah. are responding i think i think we're taking to the streets and people are protesting because you know that it's they're really going they're being the pain is a catalyst for change and i think people get to a point where they say you know what um i don't know what's going to happen if i take this risk but I just know that the pain is too severe to stay here. Yeah. And, and I was telling you, you know, I, I've spent most of the last month just on different levels of rage because yes. I, I just, well, and, and, <laughs> right. you know, and you see stuff. And, and if you're listening uh, from anywhere outside of West Michigan, I will give you a little bit of geography. There was a city 
called Allendale that had a big public meeting. So it's a little bit north of uh, north of where Scott is, I believe, and south of where yep. I am. Yeah. Um, and they had this meeting about a Confederate statue, and I'm going to ask you about all that here in a second. But they allow everyone to make public comment because that is what we do as a society. And the very first comment, a gentleman stands up and says the Civil War had nothing to do with race. And it's at this point that I want to throw my laptop out the window. And, you know, instead I, I calmed down because one of the things that I'm trying to do is understand that there are systems in place that mm-hmm. want us to fight one another because it's easier mm-hmm. to deal with us when we hate each other. Yes. Um, so, but at the same time, that sort of stuff just enrages me because I, I want to hear your point of view. And I, I've said this to my wife a couple of times. It's like, if you don't agree with me, I want to go have a beer with you. I want to see if we can get to 60 seconds well said. Of, of connection. And if we can't, that's fine. Right. But I'm not sure that I can have a beer with a person who thinks the Civil War had nothing to do with. Like, you have to have a basic understanding of an event in order to argue for or against it. Right. And, and that so, sort of, you know, that sort of stuff makes me just like want to pull my hair out and just go what. And I'm I you know what? I'm, it's my show. What the fuck are we doing? Right? What are we doing? What is going on? Right. Eric, here's the thing. As you said, see what that has to do with when people say that one thing that clearly has to do with the other thing does not have anything to do with the other thing. That's. That that it, that person lacks intellectual integrity. Well, and they're gonna right? this this gentleman who I don't know is gonna argue with you or me on the basis that I mean, the the Civil War was the South seceding from the Union for states' yeah. rights. The, true. Now let's go one more. Uh, what what state right did they really want? What was the there one? See, and that's where that's where the whole idea of intellectual integrity. It's like you know what? Be honest about it because as you said. I'm the same way. I, I love to sit down with someone. I don't mind having a, an opposing view and sitting down with someone because at least even, even I may not even end up agreeing with them, but I get smarter by finding out where they're coming from. So I'm going to take something from that conversation. But when you don't have a basis of <clears throat> really reality or one is not coming to you in integrity, I mean, to say it's like, you know, Everybody knows if you dig a little bit. I mean, it doesn't take much digging to find out what what the Civil War is about. I mean, but if you can't, if you want to defend that that uh, that that lie, then you know what? Then it, it's hard to to have a meeting point because you're dishonest. Sure. And so, which leads me to the next thing I want to ask you. I want to get your perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Call it. We'll 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 deal with a two week time frame, right? Like two weeks ago, we started ripping down Confederate statues uh-huh. across the nation uh-huh. and that has since exploded into every historical figure in american history right <laughs> yeah and yeah. i'm i'm wondering your perspective on that because when when you for me when you couple the gentleman from allendale yeah with, with this we're going to rip everything down yeah this rewriting of history on either side becomes for me becomes pretty problematic because i don't know how you you find a through line if Each side has their own version of history. I know. No, you're right. Here's the thing. I mean, you know, and and, and if if people find that I was just talking to a young man um, about kind of our ways of expressing our our kind of our um, our rage, our anger, and people are going to do it differently. And what I loved about this is this young man said, because he's a trained boxer, right? He's a fighter, but he's also an artist. So he paints flowers and things. He says, Mr. Welch, I am. 
I know my triggers. And so while my brother is going to go and protest down the streets in Detroit, that's not me because I know my triggers. I said, I said, young man, you are so much further down the path because you know your triggers. And so the whole idea is, you know, when, when, if, if that's his expression of if his if his kind of like revolt is to paint or if a music person is to write music, do that. Some folks take the streets, right? Sure. Then some folks are want to pull down pull down uh, Confederate uh, figures. I'm like, you know what? Hey, if that's what you feel like you got to do, do it, right? For me, it's going to be in words, right? I'm going to write. I'm going to have conversations, and I'm going to have these really in depth conversations. So when they when they begin to pull down statues, I'm like, you know what? Some of the stuff, in particular, as you cited with Allendale, it's just, I mean, right, in, it, right next door to a, an amazing university, right? So right. Right. I'm like, and so, you know, even the president of the university talked about their commitment. I said, well, in her LinkedIn profile, I said, one of the things you want to do is you need to go ahead and talk with Allendale about what they said they didn't want to do. I said, now that would show GBSU's influence. Because, I mean, you know, Eric, it's, it's Confederate soldier right a soldier from the north soldier from the south and a little 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 slave boy with cotton at the feet and you don't think there's something wrong with that 100 and and that is that's not my my point is it feels like on both sides of this it spirals out of control very quickly right where you and i can both come to a consensus that that one come on right like exactly we we can have opinions right and and that's the thing And, and as you said too it's not about because it is easy, of course, to control the masses when they're at odds and fighting each other, yeah. not hearing each other. What what is what to me a revolutionary act is to sit down, as you said, at the table with someone that you don't agree with and have a conversation. To me, that's revolutionary right there. And, and so I, that no, go ahead. And so that that statue really it, it really could be a, a really strong point for soul searching because. The thing I'm going to ask Allendale is why do you feel the need to have it? Why, why do you feel the need to have it? And I'm looking at you as an African-American and say, okay, now you understand the history of this, right? And I think a lot of times the, the conversations that are happening, they're happening in rooms where everybody looks alike. And that's, to me, that's dangerous. Whether black, white, red, yellow, I don't care. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, confirmation bias or an echo chamber or whatever you yeah. want to call it. I just think you got to have conversation in rooms where people are different from each other. I mean, I understand the time that there's certain conversations that I think that need to happen within a particular group. I get that. But I think in terms of broad based problem solving, because one act is going to affect the other act, you got to do that within a room of other people. <laughs> you got to do that within a room of other people. So, you know, you, you remember like, so uh, when, when we had the radio show, Rick and I years yeah. ago, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a guy on CNN that Anderson Cooper was interviewing. He was a white supremacist on the campus of a university in Maryland. And he started the white student union and they went and interviewed all. He said, well, they said, why do you need that? Why do you need to have this union? Because I wanted to protect the white women on campus. That was his response. Sure. So they actually asked about 10 to 12 white students, female students. And they said, we don't need his, uh, we don't need his protection. And he's very weird. You know, we don't, we don't really even, we don't need him to be in our lives, right, on campus. Right, yeah, yeah. And I said, Rick, I want to talk to that guy. He's Rick's like, really? I said, I want to talk to him because I just want to know how he's wired, you know? So the producer went and got the contact for this guy, and we ended up having a, con- a conversation on the on the air. And what was really weird, Eric, is he was – you could tell he, he was 
thinking I was going to be punching him and shaming him on the air. And, and I wasn't, I honestly just wanted to find out like, how did you get here? Right. I'm not here to beat you up. And he was, he actually got nervous because I wasn't punching at him because he had no defense against peace. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not, at him. I'm like, so how do you, I mean, who are your influencers? What was your childhood like? And I think if we can have more conversations, as you said earlier, with folks that we, we don't agree with, man, I just think to me that moves things further. Because we, yeah. we clearly ha can get to moments of consensus, right? Yeah. And you and I talked about this again about a week ago, maybe even two weeks at this point, right? We had this moment where we, we put a rocket into space and the entire country came together to watch that happen, right? right. Yeah. And then... You know, these are not comparative, but 10 days later, you have George Floyd, where the entire country comes together and goes, you're right. That one is wrong. Right? Yes. Um, and and so when you can get a moment like that, it just feels yeah. like how do we build on top of that? Because it, it right. feels to me um, and I, I wonder how you feel about this, but it feels to me like we're 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 back to pulling each other apart just more fervently. Right. If you go if you go to like November, we'll call it October 2016. Right. As we're ramping up to this election, there uh -huh. was there was a lot of that tearing and, and gnashing of teeth. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we've got the tearing and gnashing of teeth on like a thousand right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's amped up, brother. It is really, really it's it's really amped up. I, you know, the thing is, I what I noticed is is when 2016 happened. I was I was with a, a client in an organization, right? This whole restaurant group, and they had crying rooms located in each of their restaurants, brother. Okay, when the election happened, obviously you you can understand that obviously by that they didn't vote for President Trump. They had crying rooms and and hug areas, right? What it did though, and then I would actually go out and ask my friends that were in art or in you know, in, 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 in music and radio outs, you know, like I just kind of was, I was just listening. What it, what that election did is it spurred people, I think, to action of some sort. Now to your point, it kind of like, okay, now it kind of normalized. But what I do think about this moment is that people, I don't know. I think people are kind of looking back at that moment in 2016 and saying, not again. And so what occurred, what's occurring in the streets, I think it's, I do think it's going to continue, but I also think that people are having kind of some, some, some flashbacks. Sure. And say, oh no, we're not going, we're not going down this path again. And so I think that people are going to kind of, I think they're going to stay woke in many instances, uh, not in all, but, but in many instances stay woke because there's no way that they want to go back to that. And within this context right now, right, this really, this, 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 this feels really awful right because here's the thing. yes yeah there's there's the understatement of 2020 right thank you right i mean you think of, i mean and you think about what caused people to 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 to, to the catalyst moment you know that caused people to take the streets also air in berlin and in london yep. for for united states you know i i hope that people just really keep their eyes open and i told folks i'm like you know what if you are on the wrong side of history for this one particularly as a parent or as a leader, you know what, just, just put on the t-shirt that says I'm a coward because you, you can be, I mean, this is, to me, this is very binary. It's like either you're on the side of, of, of justice 
oh, oh, you're not. And you can't defend what we saw in the streets of Minneapolis, nor many other things that we do see. And so I think that it's one of those things where this is the moment, if you, if you ever needed a moment served up to you to be courageous, this is that moment. And whatever courageous means to you, it might mean having a conversation with a person that you've never met before, but you got to do something right now. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it, I have a friend, uh, and I, I know I mentioned this to you off the air, but I got a friend, Marcus Collins, who just wrote it. I think it was an interview, not a piece. He wrote a piece um, about marketing right now, because that's, that's obviously the universe that I live in. And oh. And they were asking him, um, you know, what should brands be doing at this moment? And, and oh. he, you know, and he was like, look, um, and he was using uh, the legalization of gay marriage as sort of the, the case study. Right. Because if you look mm -hmm. at it from a branding perspective, it was it was a hot stove. Right. We didn't touch uh -huh. it at all until it became in vogue. And then yeah. as soon as it was in vogue, we're all talking about <laughs> it, you know, and and he was using that as this this moment to say, look. Yeah you don't want to be the brand that's that's into equality and into inclusion when it's in vogue now is the, the uncomfortable time is the time to take a stand as a brand yes. and and you saw it with you know you saw it with Nike who took it on the mm -hmm. chin for 4 years come on that's four it 4 years it. right that's it. um that's it. and, and you can whatever opinion you want to have on the NFL, uh, you are welcome to that opinion. Um, and mm -hmm. most of most of them I, I probably share with you. Right. <laughs> but the one thing I will tell you is all of uh, all of that organization slowly pivoting in the favor of Colin Kaepernick. And you're now having discussions in the state of Michigan now that we've got ownership change at the Lions that they would be willing to, to take him on. Like we're we're clearly in a different universe. Right. Because. Yes. I mean, because I, I don't, I cannot remember. And again, I neither of us are old enough actually to remember the McCarthy era. But like that right. was McCarthyism, and I've never you've I, you've never seen a star in America done like that in fifty years. You know, so true. That's so true, Eric. I mean, it, it is so true. And, and, and I and I don't mean this as a joke, but like the guy wasn't even on like Masked Singer or Dancing with like Come no, on. no one touched him. Like nobody. You are so correct in that. And that's the thing. And as you said, we, we harken back to the McCarthyism where you actually just, you just completely isolate someone. Yeah. You know, have, have you seen the pictures? Um, someone sent me a picture of him kneeling and then Derek Chauvin kneeling on, on George Floyd. He said, and we call the kneeling. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Wrong. We call this right. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is a, this is a crazy time we're living in. Right. And people get, you know, you you probably have seen this too. People like they get enraged about the fact he's gonna kneel, uh he's gonna he's gonna kneel. And it's like, my thing is, you know, and, and that's like what is a real patriot? I thought a patriot was someone that really of course uh, honored their country, but also honored the the rights that we have as citizens in the country. Right. Yeah, and, and that you know, when when I was teaching mass media that yeah, then when I was teaching mass media, that was the the I would spend an entire night talking about freedom of speech and saying, "Look, oh. I, I'm no one here is impeding on your freedom of speech. Right. However, it is yeah. not free of consequence. You are free to Bingo. say whatever you want. Bingo. Outside of Bingo. you know, Justice Holmes and not screaming fire in a crowded place, right? Like outside well, of that that very right. finite yes. example, 
you are free to say whatever you like, but you are not free to do it without consequence. No, exactly right. And so, and that's where it is, where it's like, you know what, listen, when we, we, we just have to really come to terms with our duplicity as, as a nation. And I think when you drill it way down, we just have to, again, going back to intellectual integrity, like if we're going to, if we're going to have a problem with something when it's obviously wrong, we have to really come to terms with like what's going on in us where we think that that's wrong now. Cause you know, there's certain people, like I saw some of the protests where they would, where the protesters were going through the streets and you have whites on the, I would of course all rights on both sides of the street, a couple of them doing enacting George Floyd's situation again. I'm like, and how do you bring yourself to do that? He's got his knee on his white son's neck, right? And saying, you know, get out of here, get out of our native, our neighborhood. And the protesters are actually, what I loved, I saw some pictures where, where the protesters would stop and go to the side and say, let's talk about what you think we have and di- that, that we have at odds with each other. Some of them, and there's, I love one of the pictures I saw where this black guy is taking this white guy who was an alt-right guy off the road because they were trying to beat him up. He's like, no, we're yeah. not about yeah. Right. And you, you, do you remember this? Um, there was a picture that happened in Ann Arbor years ago, man, where they, they, the Klan walked through the middle of U of M, right through the center of the town. And that in all the, the anti pro the anti protesters for the Klan, they were uh, kind of closing in on the Klan. This young black lady actually used her body as a shield and actually laid over this, this guy with his hood and everything. And I, I've got that picture that I've saved because I'm like, that's what this looks like. He was forever changed. And this guy that was just carried off by this, this, this black guy, he's forever changed. Yeah. Yes. And, and this, you know, this is, this goes back to this, this conversation about peace, right? When, yeah. when you go back and, and you, and if you don't want to read it and you want to listen to it, um, mm-hmm. Seth Godin did a podcast where he has an audio reproduction of, of, wow. The, the letter from the Birmingham jail written by Dr. King, right? Huh? If you go back and you listen to that piece or read that piece, however you want to consume that, yeah. peace is the way that you get through this, right? It's true. You know, connection is the way that you get through this. And it's, it it's, not, a, it's not adversarial. And, right. you, you know, when, when we go back to talk about peace, I continually think about, I've spent 20 years in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And mm. one of the first things that they teach you is when you're in an arm bar or a chokehold or whatever, yeah. Is that fighting it makes it worse, right? Wow. Like the way you yeah. get out of these things is you find you center yourself in the chaos of somebody trying to hurt you. Wow. And then you know, and then you can you can you can move, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this feels very much like the same thing, is that the the That's thrashing good. and gnashing of teeth only makes it worse. It yeah. only makes it that you uh, lash out on Twitter or Facebook or mm-hmm. Instagram or wherever. Mm-hmm. I mean shit man you're even seeing it on linkedin which i i can't remember the last time i've, I've seen political stuff it's yeah it's crazy but like that gnashing of teeth only makes it worse it's it's when you go and you listen to a point of view that you don't agree with and try yeah. and find consensus and yeah. i like i am not you know i am not saying to anybody that you need to agree with somebody who has insane ideology exactly right no we're not saying that. but you're I, also not going to change them by screaming at them no you're not there it's going it's going to, the more emotional it gets it get the more out of focus it gets right and i think it's it's not it's 
the dehumanization of each other is what actually causes all this strife. When we humanize each other, we actually become more at peace and can have really more meaningful conversations. Like, you know, I probably talked about it last time I was on the show about Ubuntu in South Africa. I am because you are. And our humanity is connected. And to the degree that I acknowledge your humanity, I'm more human. But to the degree that I marginalize your humanity, I'm less human. And so if we can actually humanize each other, humanize the alt-right, humanize all these folks that we might find ourselves being in complete contradiction with, and if we have somebody over there, because I, I, have, I, just, I believe that there's some folks over there that would be under that banner, that in their heart of hearts, man, I believe they'd say, well, I would like to have a conversation with something because something just doesn't feel right. You know, kind mm -hmm. of like they know in their knower. It's like, you know what? People that look different from me aren't, 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 aren't different species or I don't believe all this stuff that they're talking about right now, but right now I'm just kind of caught it because so-and-so is involved and I'm involved and peer pressure happens and here I am. But I believe that there's in the core of these folks that there's something that they know that they know that they're it's out, they're out of joint and and you can't you can't grow and hate at the same time. No, and you also I I would say this it's also very difficult to hate close up. It's come easy on. to hate a group of people. Yeah, buddy, come either, on. Either either yeah. side of this, right? That's it's really it. difficult to get in Ralph or Sally or Susie's face and be like, I totally hate you. You Thank are the you. worst. Isn't that the truth? But as you said. You can you, you the group right makes it easier because that those are that's a faceless demographic. Yeah. The protesters, and, the, yeah, right? The, the police, the, right. right? Like that's right. But man, when you it, as you said, when you connect with that police person, right? And that's like I know one of my buddies, John Witkowski, who was a cop, went to grad school together. And I love that dude. Yeah, and, and I'm like, and that you know, Scott, that's the that's the struggle here, right? Is like yes. you and I both have dear friends who are police officers, so I yeah. I can I can't join your team that says they're all evil because that's I not can't. true. It's not true because here's the thing: once we do that, you might as well we might as well paint every group with a broad brush, right? And that's not true, right? All white people, all black people, all police, all Latinos. I'm sorry, that is just not right, and I can't. Here's the thing: in my knower, I can't, I can't do that because I and that see, but that's the beauty too, of having your 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 relational ecosystem have so many different people. And I tell folks, do life together with somebody that's different from you. Yeah. Right. Because when people want to say they're all no, uh, uh, no, 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 that's not true. No. Because yeah. no, no, I got I got people I call brothers. I got folks I call sisters that are that come from that group. So. I'm sorry. I'm not going to side with you on on, on that right there because I, it's just. I always think about there's a scene in the the movie version of World War Z, um, and there's a scene where they're in Israel and um, Brad Pitt is talking to a character in the movie, and he's uh -huh. saying the way that they fix problems is they have this guy whose job it is to be the twelfth man, and his job is to not agree with anything that's happening in that room, right? Ooh. And and I see that I think of, about that scene all the time, not because I like zombie movies, because I do, but I think about that like in my life. Who do yeah. I have in my life who's going to tell me everything I'm doing is jacked up, and I get to defend that position? Right. See, the because thing is, that what you think about it, Eric? A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't have. They they don't want to go into rooms where people disagree with them. And you think about that. It, okay, it might be comfortable, but it's so debilitating. Well, and, 
and I, we don't have time to do this, and I would love to do this again, this yeah. particular thing. <laughs> part, of, part of the problem, man, is like this, the system known as the public school system because they don't teach them how to think. They teach them how I to know. answer. And so Dude. they can't they can't go into rooms and argue their point of view because they don't have one. They have one right. that they were given. Right. They tell them what to think as opposed to helping them learn how to think. Right. right? And so to dump in the contents, I mean, for, for me and my wife, we've always taught our kids, you're, you're going to university right now or even to high school. We're going to teach you, you know, you learn, take the contents. The whole idea is this should teach you how to problem solve. We're going to show you how to think. And so you need to know how to defend your position, right? Either for or against, or however you're going to moderate this. But again, if you don't, if you're not used to having to defend, right, um, your position, if you're not used to having to solve problems, if you're not used to being in rooms where people are 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 really different from you or relationally, they're just, it's just, it's just difficult. You really, I mean, to me, those are the fundamentals of life. I and mean, it's, it's one of the things, Scott, that I, I think often I, I was obviously blessed enough to be able to go to get my master's degree. And when I entered that program and it was nothing but papers, presentations and defenses, I went, why aren't we? Why isn't this school? That, yeah, why don't we just on. do this from kindergarten on? Like Can you imagine, Eric, if if we started that at kindergarten. for Oh, young- my Lord. You, do you have any idea what sort of savages like in, intellectual oh, savages you would it have would, if they could argue awesome. at five? At five? Man, I mean, think about that. And, and again, I think we dismiss our kids. We we kind of limit their capacity by by our own limited perspective of them they have so much more capacity than what we give them and it, like you said if we could teach our kids to critically think and debate an issue and present and to to tell to be storytellers imagine like you said once they got i mean did a five-year-old a 10-year-old middle school high school they would be off the charts in their in their cultural competency and ability to engage yeah, well, and, and most assuredly, there are five and ten and fifteen year olds that can do True. that, but that's because well, their their parents are facilitating that's that, right? That's right? the exception. What one hundred percent? But we are all, you know, we're also at a, a parenting moment, right? A twofold yes. parenting moment where you've spent hundreds of days of saturated time because you're you're in the same place, not really able to go the places you would normally go, uh-huh. right? So, uh, for for us, it's been. Yep. An exercise to your point in letting go and letting yeah. them be kids because I don't have a choice, right? <laughs> right? Like I don't have a choice to put my box over the top of them because I have to work. I like whatever the thing is, right? Right. Um, right. And then you you also have this moment where they're asking some hard questions, yeah. especially my eight year old who actually understands what's going on. They you know they want to yeah. know because they do, especially with George Floyd. Right? They were brought up believing that police yeah. officers are there to help you, and and here yeah. is a moment where this police officer is clearly not doing that. Yes. Right. It is. It, it, this is a, again, this is a teachable moment for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think more than anything, I think uh, there's a kind of an overarching posture that I wish we all could have. And that is to be teachable in this yes, moment. Yes. Well, and, and that's the you know, that's the um, you know, that's the what's the um, the the Buddhist proverb, something about like the 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 adult who can still dream is the child that lived right. Like the, the person who still has that, that curiosity is the one that allowed their childhood to kind of come through into adulthood. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's just true, you know, but as you said, when we find where people, we just stop listening to each other. 
that's just, that is a very toxic place to be in. You know, it's like they call it the Dead Sea because no water comes in, no water comes out, and you can float on it, right? Right. Yes. I, we, but but the healthy, I mean, those 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 big bodies of water, they've got exchange, right? And if we have, if we're going to be uh, healthy as individuals, we have to have exchange in our lives, right? And that's it makes us healthy. So when we decide and go over and just hang out in this little bitty corner of the room where everybody agrees with us. I, I just think we get dull. I think we get really dull and really stupid when we do that. Scott, it's always a pleasure, my friend. If people want to reach out to you, what's the, the best way for them to connect with you? Um, they can email me at uh, S-K-O-T, Scott, a little different, at globalbridgebuilders.com. Or go to the website, globalbridgebuilders with an S.com. They can't find you on TikTok? No, they can't. <laughs> they can't. It's so funny. My daughter, maybe, my son, but not me. <laughs> Well, my friend, always a pleasure, my friend. I hope you have a wonderful week. Stay healthy. Say hi to the kids. We'll talk soon. Do the same. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye.